welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Shelley Everly here. Today is Monday, January the 21st, 2019. It's 8 p.m. in New York, 5 p.m. in Los Angeles, 1 a.m. in London and Sydney, Australia. It's 12 noon. Wherever you are in the world, thank you for tuning in for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And uh, we are continuing our experiment of doing the show on Mondays at a later hour to see if we can draw more American audience in. Uh, since we are Americans, that just seems to make some sense. We have uh, good listenership from, from around the world, but uh, we just want to kind of boost it a little bit. So that's why we're doing a Monday night show. And Shelly, who came on a few weeks ago, has been kind enough to say, yeah, let's let's go ahead and do that. Um, especially since it's not all that late where she is, because she's on the other coast. So, Shelly, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Yeah, actually, uh, Louise and I just had dinner, and we were watching a movie that we hadn't seen in quite some time. It's an old Anthony Hopkins movie called The World's Fastest Indian. Um, and speaking of oh. uh, our friends in Sydney, Australia, he was actually from New Zealand, and he had a 19, I think it was a 1920 Indian Scout motorcycle that he had uh, retrofitted and played with and, and fussed with and so forth, a, a, a motorcycle that I think had a, an original top speed of about 60, 65 miles per hour. And he ended up um, messing around with it enough that he got up into the 170, 180, 190 mile per hour range, which was pretty darn good. And the, the movie is the story of how he... Uh, basically almost hitched a ride to the United States with his motorcycle so that he could go to the Bonneville Salt Flats to see how fast he could make the motorcycle go. And it's a great story. It's a, I mean, it's talk about law of attraction. He Every step of the way, he attracts just the right person to help him solve what the next little um, glitch is in his plan. And there are plenty of glitches, but he, he meets these really – interesting characters kind of unusual characters along the way and, and every one of them helps him to get to the place where he needs to be it's just one long law of attraction story um and the only bad part is i didn't get to see the whole story because i had to do the podcast but that's all right <laughs> <laughs> fortunately oh, i have seen it before good. so it's not totally unfamiliar but nevertheless <laughs> it was oh that's good i i watched the grapes of wrath for the first time this weekend oh really um my son Marley, he's going to be auditioning for the school play, and they're doing the Grapes of Wrath, and I'd never read it or seen it, so it was it was interesting. It was nothing. I, I it was nothing that I thought it was going to be. I didn't have any idea what it was even about going into it. So oh, really? It was interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. certainly a classic, no doubt. The the movie we were watching is not in the same category as the Grapes of Wrath. It wouldn't have fallen into the category of good literature i'm not even sure most people have even heard of it but it's it has so much charm in it it's wonderful um it sounds interesting and, and he was a coot i mean he was just a character um and, and by the way this is a true story it's not a, it's not a fictional story it's based on an actual person who came to the united and states what, in 1962 what's the world's fastest indian the Indian, Indian. The Indian okay. being his motorcycle. That was the uh, manufactured right. motorcycle. And he he brought this motorcycle that he had futzed with for years to the United States and managed to set a land speed record for motorcycles under a 1,000 uh, cubic centimeters that stands to this day. I mean, <laughs> he did it with, I mean, he wow. had some of the strangest ideas about how you do things, but his ideas worked. Um, because he was constantly working uh, with no money. You know, he, it was always on a very shoestring kind of a budget. So, for instance, he wanted to have slick tires for his motorcycle because if you have treads and you're going that kind of fast, the treads can go flying off and your motorcycle will crash and so forth. Now, did he have the money to buy slick tires? No, he didn't. So he took a knife and he cut off the tread of the tire. Oh, oh resourceful. <laughs> very resourceful. <laughs> I mean, any any racing uh, official, any racing association today would absolutely throw him out for trying to do something. Oh like yeah, <laughs> for sure. He was great. He did all this stuff in order, and, and he actually pulled it off. He actually uh, came to the U.S. I think um, five, six, seven times, something like that. Set a few land speed records, and one of them stands to this day. It, just an amazing, amazing feat by a guy from down under. So. 
good story. If you get a chance, take it out, take it out of the library or get a copy of the DVD or something. Um, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a fun story to watch. Very unique. <laughs> so what's, uh, what's new for you in LOA land? Have you had anything really cool happen in the last week? Um, well, I, I don't know. I just had an interesting kind of weird weekend because I was supposed to go on Friday. I was supposed to go visit my aunt in Eugene, which is about two hours from here. Mm. Um, and I just felt like all week I just was like, I don't know if I should go. And then um, my daughter Madison had a really bad flu last week and I was kind of feeling just tired and kind of drained. And I was just like, I'm not going to go all by myself and then be stuck there sick at my aunt's house, you mm. know, and stuff. So I just, I just kind of made the decision. My aunt was really disappointed because we had been planning this weekend, but I just kind of made the decision not to go just out of more intuition than anything. And I never did get sick, but I just kind of felt like I still did the right thing. And it was, and I don't have any, any, like viable reason right now, you know, maybe I'll figure it out or whatever, or maybe I won't, but it just, figure it was what like, out. huh? Figure what out? Just figure out what the reason was why I was having such a pull not to go besides oh, 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 just I see. Okay. kind of not, not feeling so well, because even after I wasn't feeling so well or before I wasn't feeling well, I just felt like I shouldn't go for some reason. And I just mm. was like, I don't know. You just get those pulls in life that are just, you know, I just think it's important to listen to them. So um, it was just kind of a weird weekend. And I just laid low and drank a lot of tea with garlic and honey and lemon and, you know, just tried to ward off anything. And then we have like this outbreak of measles, which I'm not worried about because I had all my measles shots and everything. But there's been like 25 cases in the area and mm. all the schools are freaking out and yep, as they want to so do. it's been it's been it's just a weird weekend it was just i don't know what i can't really other than just like just listening to my intuition there was nothing major well that's that pretty big up. actually just listening like that because i mean we're doing well for us the signals are a lot more clear than they are for you because right now we are experiencing sub-zero temperatures. And by sub-zero, I mean sub-zero Fahrenheit. So I think we're right. expecting like minus 7 tonight. And with the windshield, it's going to be like minus 20, minus 30. So um, we're, we're doing the obvious thing. We're staying tucked inside. We're not going anywhere. This, yeah. is, not, this is not a difficult signal to read at all. This is one of the easy ones. <laughs> Not too much gut feeling going on. No, not really. It's more like uh, you you stick your head outside. Whoa, that's cold. Close the door quick. Yeah. Yeah. It usually doesn't get that cold here, but when we lived in Klamath Falls, it would get that cold. I can remember going out in the morning to feed the horses and just like, you know, like just sniffing your nose a little bit and the whole inside of your nose gets frozen. Right. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's cold. Yes. (laughs) That, well, that's Louise's uh, take on it. She says it isn't really cold until your nose hairs freeze. Once your nose hairs freeze, exactly. then it's cold, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. well, this is a Q&A, and I see people are already lining up. If you're uh, interested in asking a question or you know, sharing a, a story that's going on or whatever, feel free to uh, type that into the – if you're listening to the live stream, that is. If you're listening to the podcast, obviously, you can't quite do that. But live streamers are welcome to share anything that you want to share, and we'll we'll incorporate into the uh, podcast. I always see Jeffrey saying hello. Hello, Jeffrey. How are you doing? Um, in the meantime, I figured we could just kind of come up with our own little questions. I, we've been trying that lately on some of the podcasts, and I, ha- I have to say my co-hosts are very good at coming up with really challenging questions about the law of attraction. Well, on the 19th, so I guess that was on Saturday. Right. I put out, I put out a post just on my Facebook profile or whatever, just saying, Hey, you know, is there anything specific you want me want, you know, any questions or whatever? So I got a few. So I was just going to read them to you really quick. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, I'll just start with the first one and we'll see how far we go. Cause there was a couple. Yeah. Um, this is my, from my friend Betty and she's a fellow life coach and uh-huh. she said, how do I go? How do I go forth with confidence without feeling super full of myself? Or is that part of self-confidence? Mm. I work a program that stresses keeping my ego in check. I have been on a journey 
of connecting with my inner fire and have found the whole ego thing to be a stumbling block. Mm-hmm. Does she give any details about why the ego thing is a stumbling block for her? Um, not really. I mean, I know her pretty well. Um, we converse pretty, like, you know, at least once a week we chat a little. And I know that she's really struggling with um, getting herself out there and getting her coaching business going. And, and, like, the marketing part of it, she just kind of feels like, She's getting pushy, which I totally understand because I'm like that, you know, in sales. I always feel like, you know, because I hate being sold too. So I hate, you know, it just doesn't feel good to try to sell something to someone else. Um, the law of attraction is a whole different story because I'll sell that to anybody. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, I just put, I understand keeping your ego in check, but we are human and the ego is part of our experience. Knowing you, I don't think that you would allow the ego to overtake confidence. You are too aware of that. You have so much to share and teach, so we all wait patiently. Um, there will be those that aren't ready to hear it. And you have to be okay with that and focus on the ones that need to hear your confidence. Mm -hmm. So that's what I wrote to her. Um, I don't know. I think I'll, I, I think that kind of comes along with like people pleasing because there's a lot of people pleasers out there that don't want to disappoint and yes. they don't want to, you know, do anything for themselves because they were taught that it's selfish to, you know, want anything for yourself and you should always be giving to others, which is a huge thing with the law of attraction and just your spiritual journey is, is contributing to others, but you can't do that in an unhealthy way. Mm -hmm. in my opinion. <laughs> I, well, I think you're right. Um, I, I think there's also a lot of confusion about, <clears throat> excuse me, about what selfishness is and what um, an overblown ego is. Selfish, and, and Abraham actually does a nice little piece on this. They, they, they. I don't remember which book it is, but they, they kind of go on extensively about the true nature of selfishness, and they fervently admit that they are in favor of the idea that people are selfish. In fact, they'll point out that really you cannot live without being selfish. It's quite impossible to live without being selfish, and it's true. It's absolutely true. Um, there's actually a great deal to be said in favor of self. And selfish has kind of gotten a bad rap, I think unfairly, because I think the word is misused. The, the general concept that people mean when they say that someone else is selfish is that that person is behaving in a way that is appropriate to themselves but is also... Um, unfavorable or unfriendly to somebody else. And it's the unfavorable, unfriendly part that they're objecting to. And they're assuming that because that person is working from a selfish position, that's the reason why they're unfriendly. That's the reason why their behavior is unfavorable. And I dispute that. I don't think that's actually the truth. I think what actually mm -hmm. happens is first, we kind of have to start, I think, from the perspective that Abraham describes, which is everybody is selfish and that's actually a good thing. So when somebody says that somebody else says, oh, you're so selfish, and they mean that in a negative way, I think it's more important to ask, why are they saying that? Well, they're saying that because there's something about the behavior that they don't like and that they want the other person to change. And most often, it's about the behavior regarding either themselves or somebody else that that person cares about or is interested in. So person A is selfish because they're not uh, treating person B or person C right. And or, you know, and person C being the person that person B has an affinity with says, well, you should be treating person C better or you should be treating me better. Abraham makes a really interesting point about that. They say, well, no one ever points out that the fact that the person who's accusing someone else of being selfish is saying, you've got to change your behavior for myself. <laughs> they never, <Right. laughs> they never actually acknowledge that part, right? That's the part that they skip over. Yeah. They try to treat it like, oh, well, this is a selfless thing, which is nonsense. It's just a bunch of crap to say something like that. And, and I think that part is true. But I, th I think what really happens here, and I think I actually made a note to your friend about this, 
The yeah. reason the reason people say that somebody else is selfish or full of themselves or, or egotistical or something like that is because there is a behavior that that person made that that the accuser doesn't like. And they're basically saying, you've got to change your behavior in order for me to feel better, which is double flawed. It's double flawed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and because of that double flaw, well, first of all, the, the biggest part of that double flaw is the assumption that that has something to do with selfishness when it actually has very little to do with selfishness or to put it another way, it has everything to do with the selfishness of the accuser. But that's where things start to get muddy when you try to include selfishness. If you just limit it to what's the behavior, the behavior is almost always because person A did something that was just not nice, not pleasant, not friendly. You know, uh, in, in some way, maybe it was mean-spirited, uh, tearing somebody else down, saying something really negative, something along that line, which has very little to do with being selfish. It just has to do with not being nice to somebody else or not being friendly to somebody else, or not being pleasant to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So that's why I said to your friend, just never don't say anything negative about somebody else. No one's ever going to say that you're full of yourself because that's the only person who ever gets accused yeah. of it. You know, I, I mean, have you ever heard of somebody who was really pleasant and friendly who went around town and just was really friendly to everybody else. And, and somebody says, Oh, that person's so full of themselves. You don't hear that. That's not the way people respond. Mm -hmm. They don't respond to somebody who goes around saying nice things about other people by saying, Oh, they're so full of themselves. It's only about people who say something that, you know, they don't like, or do something that they don't like behave in some way that, that that's, that's unpleasant. So very simple, just treat other people well, and you won't be accused of being full of yourself. Now right. you don't have to worry about right. checking your ego all the time. It's not about checking the ego. It's about checking your tongue. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, is I think that a lot of people, because they're raised, you know, I mean, I, I think about it. I, I don't ever think I did that with my kids so much, but I can remember, like, you know, being a little kid, and you need to share that you're being selfish. Mm. You know, you can't have all that to yourself. And so when, you, when you're raised with that, it it goes along with you where, self, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, like selfish becomes this negative thing. Like you're not supposed to just think of yourself. You're supposed to think of other people too. So I don't think like knowing Betty, she doesn't go around talking, you know, smack about yeah. anybody. She's a really, she's a really great person, but she still has that, that the old block tape. or whatever, where right. she feels like she comes across too, um, you know, confident that people are going to go, oh, who the heck does she think she is mm -hmm. kind of a thing, you know? And I think we all have that to a degree. Like, we want to be liked. We don't want people to, you know, go around going, what is her trip? You know, why is she being like that? And and I think in there's the four agreements and the one that, that I, I don't even know what all the four agreements are because I haven't read the book, but the one that I think about a lot is don't take, don't take anything personal. You know, like it, it's it's easy to take things personal when it's your passion or it's people that you really, you know, if it's your people that are, you're close to or are giving you negative feedback or whatever. But um, but not taking things personal. So if someone comes up to her table at an event and she's like trying to explain, you know, her her um, business, which mm -hmm. is. Positive Flow Enterprises. I'll throw that out there. Okay, little free plug. <laughs> little plug for. Her. Absolutely. But um, but um, you know, she does a lot of events and stuff, and and I think her thing is she's just like when people come up to her table and and she's trying to, you know, come across confidently instead of like, well, this is what I'm doing, and yeah, this, you know, I'm gonna do this class, and I hope you show up, you know, because that's kind of what. A lot of her, um, you know, she's like putting stuff out there and like, God, I hope people show up instead of there's going to be so many people. I'm going to have to turn people away, you know, right. like, you know, just flipping that switch or whatever. So Yeah, that, that confidence or lack thereof can make a huge difference. That's for very much for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I, it also occurs to me that when we deal with this stuff, it reminds me of a passage that comes from an Abraham book. And I actually looked it up here. I, I, I actually copied this out and I saved it as a file because I use this and refer to it often. But it's from their basic book about the law of attraction called The Law of Attraction, The Basics of the Teachings of Abraham by S. Darren Jerry Hicks. And you can actually find it if you have a copy of the book on page 141. The section is entitled, Their Disapproval of Me is Their Lack. Mm 
I think that really summarizes it. I mean, Abraham mm-hmm. talks a lot about the two-ended stick, right? There's the thing and there's the lack of the thing. That's the two ends of the stick. Well, it's not yeah. just things. It's also attitudes and beliefs and thoughts. Um, and almost everything has a thing end and a lack end. And that's what they're talking about here. And, and let me just read the two paragraphs that I think are really, really poignant from this section. It says, if there are others who see something in you that they do not approve of, most often you see their disapproval reflected back through their eyes and you feel that you have gone wrong in some way. And we say to you, it's not their lack. I'm sorry, it's not your lack, it's theirs. It is their inability to be the allower that brings forth their negative emotion. It's not your imperfection. And in like fashion, when you feel negative emotion because you have seen something in others that you do not want to see, it's not their lack, it's yours. So when Mm -hmm. you make the decision that you want to see only that which pleases you, then you will begin to see only that which pleases you. And all of your experiences will bring forth positive emotion because of the law of attraction. You will attract to you only that which is is in harmony with what you want. And by understanding the power of your emotions, you can then direct your thoughts, and then you will no longer need others to behave differently in order for you to feel good. I think that's really well written, the way they said that, because it it directly addresses this whole issue of of, um, confidence, self-confidence, self-love. It also addresses the selfishness thing, you know, the, oh, you're so selfish or you're so full of yourself. It addresses right. all of it in two paragraphs and basically says, here's all the reason why that's nonsense. And all you really have to do is just focus on what pleases you. Well, that simplifies it a whole lot, I think. So I yeah. like that passage. Yeah. Um, now and we then, have, oh, go ahead. Oh, what were you going to say? I was just going to, if you have more on this one, that's fine. I, I was just going to say we have a question from uh, one of our listeners uh, to the live stream. Oh, okay. Here. This is uh, Jeffrey. He says, as a coach, do you ever experience people who use your services to get through hard times and then disappear when things get better for them? Um, I kind of encourage that. (laughs) 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 Um, I've had people, I've, I've coached a few people and got them through what they need to get through, you know, and sometimes it takes a week and sometimes it takes six or eight months and like to me there should be an end goal and I don't I don't want to I don't want to keep coaching you or or wasting my time or your time if you've got if you got to a place that you're happy in that you can you know figure it out for yourself I mean um yeah yeah it's true I mean our goal really not just as uh, teachers or coaches, but just as practitioners of the law of attraction, of, of deliberate creation, our goal is to be able to move ourselves forward, to be able to do our own growing, to learn from our mistakes, and to be get, be better and better at focusing on what we want and keeping our minds off of what we don't want, and you know, all this kind of stuff. That's that's our goal. So, as a coach, I would imagine once you get a client to the point where they're, where they're doing that they're themselves on their own, you feel like you've won, you've succeeded, you've done your job, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I don't feel like, I don't really, you know, like if, if someone comes to me and they're like, I want to be coached by you, I'm like, okay, let's just figure this out, let's figure, you know, let's just do a, a quick session over the phone, figure out what's going on, and then if they want to go on with me, We'll work something out financially. Mm-hmm. I don't have like set prices or anything. I'm pretty mm-hmm. open to that. I just feel like I should be paid for my time just like anybody else should be. But, you know, like on the, the law of attraction changed my life group. I help people on there all the time and I private message them and stuff. And, you know, they're like, what do you charge? And I'm like, you know, if, if we get to that point, we'll deal with it. But, you know, some people they just need there. There's one guy that I've been talking to and he's, He's in the UK and I just absolutely love him. He's like a sponge. He's just like, <laughs> he's like, di- like he's just getting it. And he, and I think, and he keeps saying it's because of the way that you, you talk about it. It just makes total sense to me, you know, yeah. and that's just it. Like I'm, I could, I'm obviously doing a really good job with him where someone else I could try to coach and they just be like, I don't understand why, why would I do that? Or, you know, they just don't <laughs> get it. And, I don't want to work with those people, but 
I just feel like a lot of people seek out coaches when they are having a hard time. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with coaching someone and getting them through a hard time and then never hearing from them again. Mm-hmm. I don't, that, I'm not attached to that. So that's good. That's a good attitude to have. I think also, um, when, when you're dealing with people who are, like you said, they're, they're having problems with something, they're, they're challenged by something, there's a really important factor that good coaches don't overlook it, but just average people helping other people might overlook. And that is the person who is asking for the help has to want to be changing. They, want to, they have to want to change. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who ask for help and they don't want to make any changes. Mm-hmm. And you have to be ready to, right? I mean, don't you have to kind of be aware of that? And when you see it, you have to kind of wave the red flag and say, look, I can try to help you, but it's not going to work unless you're willing to make the changes. I, and I've run into yeah, people like I- that. Yeah, I have I have a few people that um that I've mentored for years that that I'm just a broken record. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they'll come to me every once in a while and I really need to talk to you and I'm just like I just feel like I'm just putting on the record and just playing it over and playing it over and playing it over, you know. I'm like it's not going to change until you change. Like That's right. that, it it is what it what you're going to keep attracting what you're talking about, you know. You're going to keep getting those relationships or you're going to keep having those money problems or you're going to keep, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I see the biggest thing, the biggest, you know, money issue. There's money issues and there's, you know, your body and all that stuff, but people in relationships, you know, it, it, when you first start coaching people or mentoring people or whatever you want to call it, it gets so frustrating because you can see it like, Oh yeah. You know, like clear as day, like, you keep attracting these people because you keep talking about what jerks all men are, or what eaters all women are, or whatever, you know, and then and then lo and behold, you know, another girl another cheats on up. you or another guy <laughs> walks out on you or whatever, you know, and it's right. just like until you get yourself together and realize that there are amazing people out there that will give just as much as you give you know, and take just as much as you take, you know, and I, I, I can't even like people, you know, we've talked about the whole soulmate and thing before. And it's like, you know, I've been with my husband for 25 years and there were, there were so many times that I wanted to walk away. There was horrible times, you know, there was times when I didn't care at all about him and didn't want to be around him at all. You know, and now we're like better than we've ever been. Mm. But, you know, so it's like there's like this whole path there, too, because people are like, well, I, you know, I want to find my soulmate and they get with somebody and it's working out pretty good. But then, you know, like, well, he doesn't bring me flowers enough or, you know, it's like something to me that seems kind of petty, like. Well, did you tell me you want flowers? Well, no, he should just know. No, that's not quite how it works, you know. I mean, yeah, in the in a perfect world, you want him to bring you flowers all the time. But if he doesn't know that, you know, and and that just the difference between the way women think and men think, you know, in a lot of ways, it's like sometimes you got to just be blunt. I need every Friday, I want you to bring me home some roses, period, you know. Like sometimes you have to be that direct, you know. And, and I don't know, it's just, yeah, it can just get really frustrating when you are a broken record. And, and like I said, I have some people that I've literally been dealing with and, you know, just friends and stuff that come to me for advice. And then like I, what, before I really officially started coaching or mentoring, I had a friend, um, we were both into horses and she came over to my house and we were doing some stuff with, I was leasing a couple of her ponies for the kids and, and um, she was over there and she was just like, just, you know, I don't know what it is about me, but people a lot of times will just spill their guts to me when they hardly know me. And I didn't know her that well at the time. And she's just like telling me about all the stuff her husband's doing and stuff. And I'm just like, you know, I'm, and I'm a pretty blunt person. So I was just like, why are you with him? Like, why would you, you know, what are you doing? Like you're a smart you beautiful woman like what are you wasting your time with it and she was just like I don't know and then like 
I kid you not, it was like two or three days later, she called me and she goes, I left him. And I remember oh just being like, oh, my God, I just caused a divorce. Like, that was my first knee-jerk reaction, like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then I was just like, no, that's what she she came to me and was talking to me about it because she felt comfortable talking to me about it. And and I was exactly what she needed at the time. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. You know, and. And she left him and she was so happy and she was, you know, she was just, she, she called me to thank me, you know, and oh, I, wow. like I said, you know, that, and I was panicking because I was like, oh my yeah, God, right. no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you were the trigger. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it was, you know, looking back on that, you know, that was great because it was so immediate. It was like, mm. you know, now if something like that happened, I would look at it as like immediate gratification kind of a thing because it happens so quickly. And when you're, when you are dealing with someone, when you are coaching someone who just gets it and just, you know, figures it out. And like, I mean, this guy that I'm talking to and I can't, I keep telling him you're going to fall back. And he just did like, yeah, you know, over the weekend he fell back and I'm like, you're going to fall back. But you just have to have a different way of looking at it. Right. Instead of falling back and going, oh, this, I, I knew this was going to happen. This always happens. I'm never going to get better. Life sucks. You have to fall back and go, okay, what, what else? You just have to stop. Roll around in it if you need to until you get sick of it. And then, and then you just go, what, what am I supposed to learn here? Where are the solutions to this? And if you look at it like that, it's almost an adventure when you fall back. It's like, oh, okay. So there's something to learn here and there's some new solutions that I haven't found yet, you know? And that was one of the questions on here was from my friend Jenny and she said, um, exactly what she said um she said i really want to hear about surrendering to the contrast contrast and how to work through it because um i think you know a lot of people think that if you if you fall back or you're in contrast or something happens somebody breaks up with you or your car dies or whatever it is that that you're supposed to just be so positive about it like Oh, I'm so glad they left my life, even though I miss them and I'm completely heartbroken and I'm going to cry at any second. I'm just going to keep smiling and get through this, you know, or, you know, I don't have any money to fix the car engine, but I'm so excited that I get to ride the bus this week, you know, like, <laughs> like you know, there's nothing wrong with, with just being a human and getting into that ego a little bit and, and breaking down and falling apart and, getting through it, you know, not getting over it, but getting through it. I think that's so important. And I think that the whole law of attraction thing, get it, you get so lost in, oh, you got to be positive. You got to be positive. You got to be positive, you know. And then I feel like when you do that too much, when you do fall back or when things really fall apart, you really can't pick yourself back up again because you haven't learned that it's okay to fall apart and get back up and move forward. That's an interesting phrase, surrendering to the contrast. I've never heard that one before. I mean, when you first read that, was that a phrase that you knew? And if not, what was your first reaction when you read that? Um, no, I've I've used that before, and I think oh, you that have. the okay. reason I I think the reason that she's asking that is because her and I were chatting um, on private message, and she was just, you know, she's just been going through some stuff, and she's just like. She, like the last like month or so, she's just been really high. She's been doing really good. She's been staying positive. Things have been falling into place for her and all this stuff. And then she just kind of fell apart. And she's just like, I got to get positive again. I got to get po And I told her, you need to just surrender to it. It's okay to just, you know, get in your jammies and eat a bowl of ice cream. Like you don't have, you can, you can just, just surrender to it. It's okay to surrender to the contrast. You just don't want to stay there, you know. You don't want to live there, but but I think it's important for people to get through that instead of just pushing so hard to be positive all the time because that's not the reality of life. You're not you're not going to learn or grow if you're just positive constantly, you know. I think I, I might phrase it a little bit differently, but I think I understand what you're saying um, because I think the way I would phrase it is, it's not that you can't be positive all the time. Rather, if you try to be positive when you're really hung up on what's going on and what and what that terrible thing was that happened, then you're really not being positive. You're faking it. You're trying to pretend right. to be positive when you're not really feeling positive at all. 
And if you, if you frame it that way, I agree with that. That I mean, that's not doing you any good to just trying to pretend that everything's fine when it doesn't feel fine at all just doesn't work. So that's a good time to, yeah, take a look at what's actually going on and kind of not, not live in it, like you said, but just you know, swim in it a little bit and, and kind of examine it from all the different angles and feel it a bit and take the sting out of it. That's ultimately what you're really trying mm-hmm. to do. You're trying to take the pain and the sting out of it just by facing it directly instead of trying to run away from it all the time. And no, 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 I've got to feel good. Even though I feel really bad, I got to feel good. No, it's just, you know, go after it. I mean, what, what comes to mind is, so my dad committed suicide when I was eight. Mm. And so, you know, I knew that things were bad. I knew that my parents weren't getting along and they were fighting all the time, but I had, you know, at eight years old, you, you can't even imagine that happening. Mm. Right. And so I understood death. My brother, who had just turned seven, did not understand death and still, you know, has issues with that whole time in his life now because he didn't deal with it then. And I just remember being told and crying, of course, you know, just kind of flipping out as an eight year old. And I was a I'm a pretty emotional person anyways, you know, and reactive. I was a very reactive kid. And so. They like took me into another room and my mom was trying to comfort me. And my dad's best friend was just like, let her go through it. Mm. Like, let her cry. Let her have. And I can remember him saying that, like, let her have this. It's okay for her to, to have all of these emotions and to be angry and to be upset and to be sad, you know? And so, Smart you know, friend. that's just, you know, that's a pretty traumatic um, example, but it's true. Oh, yeah. You know, like, you know, you're, whether it's, you know, something like that where it's just, it's, it's, um, devastating or whether it's just, you know, you broke a nail or you got to, you know, like on the secret when you squeeze the toothpaste and it gets all over you. It's like, it's like that can, like literally that can like make your whole day a crappy day, you know, and it's okay to just go, huh, that sucks. I'm going to have to change my shirt. Maybe have that, you know, you know, cuss at it or whatever and get that out there, out of you or whatever, and then move on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, Jeffrey, I asked, Jeffrey asked a very good follow-up question to what we're talking about here. He says, can we okay. examine the contrast from a less emotional place? In other words, can we be more objective with our own experience? Which is a good question, and a question that needs mm-hmm. to be asked. And uh, I, I, I don't know if you want to answer first or not, but I know what my answer is. My answer is... Being objective has no feeling in it. If you're not feeling, you're not living it. So objective is kind of a way of examining from afar, and that can have some advantages, but you're not going to get through it that way. You're not going to get through whatever, especially a difficult situation is, by being objective. And I can tell you that from roughly uh, you know 61 years of experience of trying to do exactly that it doesn't work very well <laughs> it's really rather <laughs> counterproductive it's not a full 61 years either but um no seriously a, a large chunk of my life that's what i would try to do and it never worked it never worked i mean i could put it aside for a bit i could bury it by doing that you know, i could hide it away but it would never go away entirely it still stays mm-hmm. there until you take the time to just feel it and go through it. And the funny thing is the amount of time it takes to go through it is a heck of a lot less than the time it takes to, to hide it away and just try to keep it hidden away for the next 20 years. It's yeah. like, you know, dramatically different amount of time. So it, it's so much easier to just work your way through it and then you're done than it is to, to carry it on. But you know, there are some of us who just insist on carrying it on for years and years and years. And then we wonder why it is we have so many things that go wrong in our lives. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that when you get to a place where you could take responsibility for that contrast, mm. um, it starts to go a lot faster. It does. You know, when you when you're like, I mean, a good a good example is years ago I was, you know, we, were, I was like, I we lived here for a couple of years. I really need to pull the stove out and clean behind the stove, mm. you know, just because you know, cooking and, you know, dust bunnies and all that stuff. And so <laughs> I um, was just thinking that, you know, for a couple of days while I was cleaning the kitchen, like I really need to get, you know, to remember when Scott gets home that I, we need to pull that out so I can clean out behind there. And then it was like two or three days later, I'm making coffee 
on the counter next to the next to the stove and I for some reason well I know the reason I don't put the coffee pot back in the coffee maker and I turn it on and coffee I and I then I go about my business in the morning getting the kids ready or whatever I come back in there is coffee everywhere and it has gone down the side of the counter between the counter and the stove and under the stove. So now I have to clean out behind and under the stove. And just, so it was just like, and in that instant when I, when, you know, the initial like, Oh my God, there's coffee everywhere. And, and then it was like, Oh, I, this is, this is what I was asking for. It is directly. Not the way you had in Direct. mind, but it was exactly no, what you're no, asking that's when specifics come in. Come in right, know. right. <laughs> Universe is like, well, I'll make this easy for you. You don't even have to remember to tell Scott after work because it's morning and we'll get this done right now. <laughs> like, get him out of bed. Let's go. <laughs> Sometimes the so, universe uses a two by four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, that's just an example that when you start taking responsibility for those, you know, like, you know, you've been wishing, you've been wishing for a new car. You've been wishing for a new car. You haven't been specific. You haven't said, I want a new car and I hope it happens better than I expect. You're just putting out there, I want a new car and I hate this car and I want a new car and I hate this car. And then that car breaks down beyond repair. Then you have to go get a new car. And the universe is like, well, you'll figure it out. There like, it is. Go get a loan or go borrow some money from somebody or go get another clunker so you can get around for another six months or whatever. You know what I mean? Like when you start taking responsibility for that, it helps you get clear on, on being clear. And it also, you can step back, you know, in that, in that moment, you know, I was like, Oh yeah, I wanted to clean behind the, behind the stove, but here we are cleaning behind the stove. And it was like, you know, yeah, it was a pain in the butt because it's in the morning and everything, but I, but I instantly knew what had happened. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those very obvious things. Um, yeah. I mean, you were, you were talking about how you would help people and they would make very quick progress because they, for them, it started to become obvious. It started to become clear. They, 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 they were getting it. You know, it's like, yeah, I get it. I know what the next thing is to do. I get it. I, when I, when I first asked my question to you that like early in the, in the podcast where I'm talking about somebody who is resistant to change. They're not ready to make the change. I was thinking along the lines of somebody who I tried to help one time who was diagnosed with clinical depression. He was actually seeing a therapist and I was kind of providing extra support so that the therapist was working on his past. I was working on his present, you know, that kind of thing. And I learned from that experience really well, how important it is for the person you're working with to be willing to make change. I'll give you an illustration from that experience. I, I worked with him for some time. I explained to him how law of attraction works. I explained to him what deliberate creation is. I explained to him that we have to, to take responsibility, blah, 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 all that stuff. I probably went through that five or six, seven or eight times in the course of three or four sessions. And then he was, I, I would ask him, we, we would take like little measurements. You know, have, uh, right now you're at depression. Can we get you up to anger and, and get him to talk about some of the anger in his life or something like that? You know, I, so I try to help incrementally t climb the scale and he wasn't getting there. He would, he, he might climb up to like one or two levels and then he'd slip back down again and he would never maintain any progress. I'm thinking, this is really interesting. Why is he not maintaining any progress? Well, he got a wonderful opportunity. He got the opportunity to go with a friend to, I can't remember which island it was, one of the Caribbean islands. It was a Caribbean vacation. I mean, just idyllic, absolutely mm -hmm. beautiful. And he was going to be away for a week and they were going to do nothing but just have fun. They're, you know, they're going to do all this, the, these fun activities. I said, great, here's what I want you to do. While you're away and as you have each fun thing happen, I want you to milk it. I want every single fun thing, thing that you have, I want you to just milk it and just get really excited about it and then tell me all about it when you get back. He says, okay, I agree to do that. He went on his vacation. He came back. We had our first session. I said, so how was the vacation? I can hardly wait to hear how it was. Oh, it was okay. And he stopped talking. I said, okay, so tell me, like, what, what did you do? What, what happened? What, you know, what kind of fun things did you do? And he thought for the longest time. He said, well, we did get, we rented some motorbikes and we went off-road biking. I said, well, that sounds like fun. What was that like? Silence. 
absolute silence. And no matter how I probed, I could, I could get little tiny details, but he wasn't recalling any of it. And mm -hmm. I'm saying, well, did you enjoy yourself? Yes. What happened? Couldn't tell me. Which I found to be really interesting. Over time, as, I, mm -hmm. as I'm talking to him throughout this conversation, and for, we had like one other session after that, and then we broke it off, it, I came to realize he never wanted to take the time to enjoy his trip. He didn't want to take the time to enjoy the activities he was doing. He went to take mm -hmm. a trip for the purpose of taking a trip because his friends, his family, his therapist, his wife, everybody said, you ought to go take a trip and get away. And so he took a trip to get away, and he did all these fun things, and he didn't bother to enjoy any of them. That's somebody who's not trying. They're just not even interested in getting better. He, he took absolutely no steps at all, even though he promised that he would. Even though he promised he would have details for him, nah. Right out of his mind. And when See, I, my, and when, my and when, analytical mind just says that he is getting some, he's getting a lot of attention. Yes. He's, he's getting something from that, you know, That's from being exactly that where I was going. victim. Or, or, there, yeah. there, there, was, there was great benefit in his mind to being depressed. And there was mm -hmm. more benefit to that than there was in getting better. And that's mm -hmm. why he wasn't interested in getting better. You you nailed it. That's exactly what it was. That's why he yeah. didn't want to get better because he was too invested in being depressed. Well, there's nobody in the world who can help him with that. Because as long as he wants to be depressed, and that is wanting to be depressed, hey, yeah. he's, he's getting exactly what he's what he's really asking for. And that's actually what ended our, our uh, coaching relationship because I, I called him on it. I said exactly that. I said, you want to be depressed. And he got really pissed at me walked out of the room and I never saw him again. I hit the mm -hmm. hot button. <laughs> I hit the truth and he didn't want to hear the truth. So, yeah. And, yeah. and I've seen like, well, I haven't seen personally, but I, I've heard of people that'll, you know, go to different therapists or counselors or psychologists or psychiatrists until they find one that, that will see them like again and again and again. And like, you know, my husband um, sees a counselor once a week and, the first thing that the first session, and I appreciated this so much because I just hate people like professionals that take advantage of people and just keep seeing them, seeing them, oh, seeing them, yes. seeing them. <laughs> you know, it's like, and the first thing she asked him was, um, the first thing I need to know from you is what is going to be the end game here? What do you need mm, to question. not need me anymore? Right. And I was like, that's perfect. Like, yeah. that is so perfect. Like, that's what. That's what coaches and therapists mm -hmm. are there for. There's a, there needs to be an end game there. You know, like what Jeffrey was asking, like, are people just, you know, in a bad place and then just kind of use you until they can get to a better place? That's what I want them to do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the goal. I don't want to keep, I don't want to keep seeing someone for years and years and years and years and years and being their crutch and being the, person the only person they can confide to and they can't ever get better and trust themselves you know mm. like i'm gonna let go of that person like you did you know like i'm i'm not gonna keep helping you because you're not helping yourself it's like the whole god helps those who help themselves you know exactly yeah i mean I'm saying, i see it, i see it all the time there's facebook groups there's a facebook group here in vancouver it's called neighbors helping neighbors and people get on there and they're asking, you know, like last night there was somebody that was homeless and, and they're like, if we can just get a ride across town because the bus, the buses stopped running early on Sunday nights and we, we missed the last bus. And if we could just get a ride across town so we can get to our tents at my father-in-law's house, we'll be fine. We don't need to, you know, cause people are like, well, I can't have you stay at my house cause I've got kids and I don't know you, which is totally reasonable, you know, like, but, you know, and so they were just asking for a ride. And honestly, I would be willing to do something like that for someone. Like, they're going to get their tents and they're going to, you know, hunker down and get as warm as they can or whatever they need to do. And then, but then there's people on there that are like, I need, you know, gas money and I need a job. And people are like, oh, well, this place is hiring. Well, I can't do that because I, I can't ride the bus right now or I don't have any gas money. You know, they like have a million excuses and it's like, you know, even, you know, you can just see in those groups, like, people are willing to help, but then it's like, you know, if you're not, if you're just going to sit there and wait for everybody to show up and throw things at you, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's just, 
I saw a video one time of Jack Canfield, who appeared in The Secret. He was the author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Um, he was giving, yeah. giving a presentation to an audience, and he really illustrated the point you're just making in a big way, although it wasn't just about somebody who's homeless, because it, it, it can really be true of anybody. Anybody can kind of oh, fall yeah. into that trap, right? Oh, yeah. and, and he was demonstrating how most of the audience, without knowing it, was in that trap. What he did was he reached into his pocket, and he pulled out a $50 bill, and he folded it into quarters, and he held it up with his hand like this. And he says, I have a $50 bill here for whoever wants it. And then he just stood there. And he stood there. And he stood there. And finally, a woman from the audience walked up and grabbed the $50 and walked back to the seat. Which is exactly what he was offering to do. The $50 is here right. for anyone who's willing to take it. Nobody was willing to take it. They, they all felt constrained in some way. Oh, well, I can't do that. They had all their reasons why they couldn't do that. Well, it wouldn't be polite. Well, he didn't ask me. Well, he didn't really mean that. Well, I, you know, endless series of excuses. Only one woman in that audience had the clarity of mind to say, he's offering me 50 bucks. I'll take it. Yeah. That illustrates it beautifully. We have all these little limiting beliefs built into our, our systems. And until we become aware of them and recognize them and notice that we're putting our own limitations in where our nose are, are creating our negative situations until we get to that point, then we will continue to ignore that he's holding the $50 bill up for somebody to come take. Mm -hmm. It's just that simple. <laughs> yep. 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 So and it's, let's see, do we have any other questions? I don't have anything else in the live stream. Got any more questions from your, uh, your little uh, thing that you did over the weekend? Um, well, this other gal just, it doesn't seem too clear to me, but she just put number one, humility. Number two, the word normal. Number three, treating everyone with love and tolerance. Number four, importance of putting others first, helping others. Number five, prejudice, not the race, not the racial kind, the kind that means old ideas, which get in the way of staying relevant, especially older folk. Oh, I don't. That's like her whole post. I'm not exactly sure. It's a little scattered. It sounds like she was trying to address yeah. the selfishness question, the the, the overblown ego question. And that's the kind of of thinking that I would expect from most people who try to address that question. Because the the ideals, if you will, that she expressed there are the popularly held ideals. You're supposed to only think of others. You're not supposed mm -hmm. to... Uh, you're not supposed to be thinking of yourself. You're supposed to be kind to others. You're supposed to, you know, there, there's like a whole litany of things that go along with not being selfish. And that's what she was outlining there. Um, yeah. The, the problem, of course, is that what she was outlining was in many ways tripping herself up and she probably didn't even realize it, which is, you know, well, she'll, she's still learning <laughs> like we all are. That's her. She has found a block and now she's trying to figure out, well, if she's trying to figure it out at all, she she's faced with that block and she gets to decide, do I want to stay there? Do do I want to keep being blocked by it? Am I okay with being blocked by it? Or do I want to move it past it? That's where she is right now. Yeah. I was going to look because I posted something <laughs> earlier and my Jeffrey, um Jeffrey said $50 friend, a bottle of good wine. That's how he'd spend his 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> My friend who is a pastor, um, our our kids were in the same 4-H group, and I think he enjoyed being around all of us because, um, you know, we didn't treat him like a pastor because none of us went to his church, and, you know, the guys were throwing around cuss words and stuff, and, you know, all the kids, we, like, went to horse camp a couple times and did a whole bunch of 4-H shows and stuff together, and you know, when we would, like, accidentally cuss in front of him, and we'd be like, sorry, Steve, and he'd be like, no, you guys are so refreshing to be around people that are just being normal people and not treating me like I'm, you know. <laughs> anyway, so him and I get into some discussions on um, on Facebook because he, I'm a believer in the law of attraction, and he's a believer in the Bible, so the, the post that I put said, Quantum physics tells us that nothing that is observed is unaffected by the observer. That statement from science holds an enormous and powerful insight. It means that everyone sees a different truth because everyone is creating what they see. And Neil, Neil Donald Walsh said that. Mm -hmm. And so 
Steve said, if there is such a thing as objective or absolute truth, then the statement cannot be true. If there is no such thing as objective or absolute truth, then this statement cannot be true. And I said, the fact that we both see it differently is proof that it is truth. <laughs> yeah, I would say he only got that half right. The first part of his was right, and and the second part was incorrect, because the simple fact is, if you have an observer phenomenon, that's what you were talking about, that the observer affects the experiment or the, the observer affects the situation, whatever it is, just by observing. If you have that and that's always true, then right. there is no such thing as objectivity anymore. Objectivity requires the idea that the observer is detached from the situation. But if the observer is affecting the situation, there is absolutely no way for the observer to be detached. It's impossible to be detached. So really, there mm -hmm. is no such thing as objectivity. So he was on the right track with the first part. The second part he was dead wrong about. But that's all right. <laughs> we'll give him that. <laughs> we'll give him 50% well, well, credit. Then, then he just said, laugh it out loud, touche. Seriously, though, the statement claims that there's no such thing as an absolute truth, and yet it claims to be absolute truth. And I said, yep, it's all in the perspective. It's so tricky because we all see things so differently. And he said, yes, we all see things differently, but our point of you doesn't change what is true, merely our perception of the truth. And so I just think because, because he's coming because he's coming from the Bible, so it's the absolute well, he, truth. He's coming he's coming from a theological viewpoint that the Bible yeah, is, yeah. is the written yeah. word of God. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's well so that's his perspective. Those are, those are the those are the discussions that we get into and I enjoy them because it challenges me to really think you know what i mean mm -hmm. i i think i've told you that before that i that i just enjoy those discussions and mm -hmm. and you know Wait, a couple a couple of times people get on there and get very defensive and i'm just like no i'm not i love him he's i i just <laughs> he's he's a great person and we go back and forth and sometimes we just end it with let's just agree to disagree and have a great day steve and he's like okay i'll talk to you later you know kind of Thing. You know, so we have these discussions and, and you know, I just like the whole thing. Don't take anything personal. Yeah. I, I really feel like I can get into those discussions with him. And I don't I used to get kind of heated and freaked out and, and kind of reactive. And now I'm just like, no, this is just like this is part of my growth. And maybe it's part of his, too. You oh, know, but he's so. coming from the Bible and I'm not. So. Yeah, clearly so you both had his, you had something to get out of it. Otherwise, you wouldn't have engaged in it. What you've got right. out of it might have been different from what he would get out of it, but you both had something to get out of it. So, no doubt right. about it. Yeah, that's cool. That's very good, and and it's great that uh, both of you are able to do it without you know casting aspersions at the other person. You know, we just agree to disagree. Fine, that works. That works great. Yep. And ultimately, you must enjoy it too. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing it. And same with him. Right. He, he must enjoy it too. Yeah, he does. And I even and, and there's some stuff that I put out there. And when I put that, when I reposted that, I just thought, oh, this is going to be a perfect one for Steve to come back at me with. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, it was like a couple hours later, and he's posting on there. I was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. So it is. It is fun. I enjoy it, but I enjoy it because I'm going into it with a fun attitude, not like, well, that's it. Oh, I've got it. I've got to make him believe this. You know, it's like I, I'm not ever going to make him believe this, and that's okay. But I have fun challenging myself in this situation. So. Exactly. Yeah. We can't actually ever change somebody else's mind. And, and when we realize that, life gets a whole lot easier. Because there are oh, people, yeah. who, and I was one of them for quite some time, there are a lot of people who go through life trying to change other people's minds without realizing it's a futile exercise. There's just no way to do it. Because you yeah. you don't control their mind. They don't control your mind. Even with all the talk, all the, the sciences about mind control, no such thing. You really can't control another person's mind. You can um, scare them into something. You can torture them into something. But you still haven't controlled their mind. Yeah. They, they control their mind. It's, just, it's up to them. It always is. And that, I think, is a good thing. It's also a good place to end, too, because we've run out of time. But this has been good. Yeah. And thank you for bringing those yeah. uh, questions from uh, your your exchanges over the weekend that made a really lively discussion. Thank you for doing that. Yep. 
No problem. Yeah. And thank you to our live streamers also for their questions, Jeffrey in particular. We appreciate your contributions. And we'll see you next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Mm-hmm.